Welcome to All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time. Our show offers a friendly conversation with inspiring individuals in the autism community. All Autism Talk is brought to you by the Learn It family of companies, including Autism Spectrum Therapies, Trellis Services, and Desert Choice Schools, helping all children succeed in school and life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Autism Talk. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. I am the Vice President at Autism Spectrum Therapies, part of the Learn It family of companies, uh, providing services, supports, education to individuals with developmental disabilities and their families all across the country. Um, you know, today I'm, you know, kind of taking that national lens and, and for a moment thinking a little bit about it uh, local. Um, you know, today's show is going to be a lot about the future. And as we've been thinking about developing futures for our for our kids and thinking about the long term, you know, I'm, I'm always reminded of because adult services for individuals with autism is so limited, I find that it's always the slower for us to learn about what other places are, are doing. You know, a lot of times we talk about early intervention and if someone's doing something in Colorado, we hear about it in California pretty quickly. If we something's happening in New Jersey, it makes its way over here pretty quickly. It seems sometimes that some of the adult things that are going on are a lot slower to, to get to one, you know, to each other. Um, and an example of that is something that I just really learned quite a bit about in the last couple of days. Um, so some, some of you out there may know a lot more about this than I do, um, but it's just becoming a, a big issue and coming to the forefront here in California um, after close to a year of being in the, the national lens. Uh, and I'm talking about something called the Federal ABLE Act. Um, you guys out there, if you're, you're paying close attention to what Autism Speaks is doing, you probably have heard a lot about this. Um, but in a nutshell, it, it creates opportunities for us to set up savings accounts for the future, for services, for uh, living expenses, for, for whatever the future may bring for our individuals, our children with autism. And what's really cool about this, the way I kind of am reading the law, reading the description, it, it reminds me a little bit about you know, like a 401k, the idea of let me set aside this money tax-free, and, and there there's some caveats to when some taxes may apply to this, but for the most part, this is a, a tax-free savings. Um, it's just like my 401k, where just as I'm planning for my future and my retirement, here's something that we can start saving and setting up um, for our kids, you know, and, and this is something that goes beyond just kids with autism. Um, it's individuals with disabilities. Um, and I, I think this is really cool. Um, it's, it, it, it's very logical. You know, as I said, the immediate I'm thinking, you know, it reminds me of a 401k or like a flex spending account where you're able to set this money aside. And one of the things that, that I had read in, in the press release that I thought was really exciting about it is that the money set aside won't get applied to um, different types of eligibility, you know, such as Medicaid, where um, there's different criteria in terms of your earnings to show that you qualify for Medicaid. This won't be 
held against you when you're trying to qualify for those types of things. And again, I think that's a really cool little perk that they put together because we all know it is incredibly expensive to fund services for kids with disabilities. And any way we can set up the right savings opportunities, uh, maintain eligibility to get that type of support, it is a huge, huge benefit. Um, what I find surprising about this is that it did take so long for it to get here, here for me to learn more about it in California. Um, I know uh, a little over 30 states have already passed this. It's something that we're really looking at very closely right now. I know um, the legislation has, has moved along in California and is now in uh, Jerry Brown's hands. Um, but it seems like something that should spread. And, and I'm hoping will spread across the country because it, it just makes sense in terms of helping us plan for the future for our kids and making sure that there's the money in place to be able to have the right supports down the line, whether it be therapies, living expenses, um, the type of support to live independently, whatever it might be. And I think it's just, uh, as I said, just fits in perfectly with with our theme of the day um, and looking at the future and the different types of skills and and uh, and supports and education that uh, our kids may need as well as the community may need as uh, our kids get older, um, particularly some things that we don't think about every single day. Uh, so today I'm joined by uh, Emily Island. Um, Emily is uh, an award-winning author, advocate, filmmaker, researcher, and leader in the autism field. Um, she's the past president of the Autism Society of Los Angeles, as well as an adjunct professor in the Department of Special Education at California State University, Northridge. Emily's the mother of a young man with autism spectrum disorder, uh, Tom, former guest of ours on the show, uh, and brings personal experience and insight uh, into her professional roles. Uh, Emily, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me today, Rob. Uh, it's really great to talk to you. I, we've, I feel like I've spoken to so many different colleagues of yours or friends of yours, and, and obviously, you know, Tom's been on the show, it's, so it, it just feels natural that we finally connect here. You know, I know we've bumped into each other over the years, so it's, it's just it's good to have you. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you know, I know you do lots of different things, and and I, you know, and I've kind of crossed paths in a few different ways and times over the years. But um, I thought, you know, the place to start with is something I know. Um, you know, Tom actually mentioned to me when when we spoke, and and it's something that I know we've talked a little bit about the show before is safety. And I know you've been working on a really uh, cool project that. Uh, it's just grown over the years since I first heard about it. And so I was hoping you could maybe tell us a little bit about, um, you know, Be Safe, this this curriculum and movie that you've put out there, um, you know, what it focuses on and, and how it all got started. Sure. Well, um, I made Be Safe the movie with Joey Travolta of Inclusion Films because after all of my work training the police, I realized that training the police isn't enough to keep our young people safe. We need to teach young people with disabilities like autism how to interact safely with the police. Mm -hmm. They were doing things that were dangerous like running and fighting and not following instructions, reaching into their waistbands, spilling their guts when they are accused of a crime. So they were doing 
wow. all these things that are problematic. And, you know, they're problematic when the general public does that as well. Mm-hmm. But I feel from my experience that our young people need very specialized instruction to learn what they should do. So I decided to use video modeling because we know it's an evidence-based practice and a lot mm-hmm. of people can respond to it. So I made this movie, and we have young adults with disabilities interacting with real police to show what they should do, like uh, follow instructions, obey the law, um, ask for help when you need it, uh, stay where you are when you meet the police. We reframed all those problematic behaviors into something positive. And then I realized, well, not everyone can learn from watching a movie, Mm -hmm. So I created a differentiated curriculum, 300 pages long, with a lesson for every movie episode so that we can reach learners of all verbal and cognitive abilities because it's just too risky not to try and teach. I mean, it's dangerous to assume that someone can't learn. That's a very dangerous Mm -hmm. assumption. So it's much better to try this array of materials so that we're making sure people can learn these skills. You know, I remember when... God, I'm probably dating myself because it's been so long, but I remember when the education you were doing with the police force really first started. And I remember uh, actually sitting at Westside Regional Center when I was learning about the program and and how um, it was getting off the ground. Um, You know, the, the initial response, you know, I'm sure for people who maybe are less familiar with it before getting into some of the curriculum, you know, I'm just curious what the initial response and, and, and the continued response from the evolution of this has been from the police force. Well, I have, uh, I started training the LAPD back in 2007 with the Autism Society, and I ended mm-hmm. up writing all their training materials about autism that they're still continuing use, to use today. And then wow. I... Then I branched off and created my own program called Experience Autism, and I have Mm -hmm. a website, experienceautism.net, that explains more about it. But it's experiential learning, where instead of telling the police about autism, we do simulations that help them understand what it feels like to have Mm -hmm. autism. Because once they have empathy and perspective, they can pull up a bunch of tools out of their toolbox to appropriately interact with people. You know, but they need to feel it first, and that's why my training is different than everybody else's, and the response has been tremendous to experience autism, and it's actually being yeah. studied as somebody's Ph.D. dissertation. They're looking at the effectiveness of experience. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It'll be the only evidence-based uh, police training I know of in the country that's independently validated, so we're hoping that we get some good results. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really cool. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, the police want to do a good job, but autism is an invisible disability. Even if they're trained, they don't always recognize it. And if our guys do particularly dangerous things like reach into their waistband, the police have to respond to that behavior, not a diagnosis. Mm. That's what's so scary. That's what made me think, okay, if that's what the police have to do, what should we be doing to protect our young people? you know, teens and adults who are going to be out in the community and want independence and might do the wrong thing because they don't even realize. And that's why I made the movie and the curriculum to go along with it. No, it makes perfect sense because I've, you know, in 15 years, and I've spent a lot of my time with with teens and adults, uh, particularly teens, and I don't 
think I know of myself or anyone I know ever doing a target, you know, in, in a program to say, let's talk about how to interact with the police. Or if a policeman comes, not reaching into your waistband. It's, it, it almost contradicts what, um, what the reality is, which is, I think that you said it, and this is kind of interesting, like don't tell your life story. You know, I think most of the time we say, oh, when you see a policeman, you should tell them exactly what's going on. That doesn't resonate with our kids in the same way. Like, it, it, that could get overgeneralized so aggressively. So Definitely. I think it's kind of cool. Like, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, my son Tom, I um, asked him what he would tell the police if he ever got accused of a crime. And, okay, he's an accountant. He graduated mm-hmm. from college. He's a bright guy. And he said, Mom, I would tell them everything because the truth will set you free. So he heard that saying, the truth will set you free, and thought that that's what he's supposed to t- say to the police. But mm-hmm. And the police would like him to. They love people right. to, you know, tell them the whole story. But the rest of us have the option and understanding that we don't have to self-incriminate, and we have the right to remain silent. So I have a whole movie episode about that, which is a starting point for teaching uh, asking f- for an attorney and, and being mm-hmm. quiet. And I have to tell you, I've taken some heat from some police about teaching that in my movie, and I, and I ask a question back. I say, are you telling me that people with disabilities should have less rights than the rest of us? Wow. <laughs> you know, that we shouldn't find a way to help them understand yeah. their right? And because it's so hard to make a judgment, I teach a rule which is remain silent because it's just too hard to say remain silent if they're asking this but not if they're asking that. So I just go with the safest rule to follow, which is remain silent. And we know there's people who have had been taken advantage of. I heard about a case in Florida where an officer said to a suspect with autism, can I see your phone? And the boy thought the officer wanted to see what kind of phone he had, but he wanted to look for incriminating evidence on the phone, which he found, and the person was prosecuted. So there's a lot of vulnerability among our population, um, but there's also risk among our population because they can do and say the wrong thing that can escalate the situation. So, yeah. I've never... The the coincidence of our conversation today of all days is is huge because uh, my sister is a public defender in Queens back in New York. Mm -hmm. And um, she, you know, she talks a lot about rights and and not everyone understanding their rights. And we talk about, um, you know, civil liberties. And and I know we've had a lot of guests on the show talk a little bit about just, uh, you know, different rights that people with autism sometimes don't have not always by design, but out of just lack of awareness uh, and whatnot. And I've never really thought about this side of it, but it makes perfect sense because it, it, we don't go into these types of details when it comes to your rights and how to handle certain things. And interaction with police is probably as critical as of any of them. Well, I think it's a matter of life or death. I mean, yeah. we, we hear the statistic that people with autism are seven times more likely to have a police encounter. They have an invisible disability that the police might not recognize. They may do the wrong thing or they may say the wrong thing. And, you know, that's why we have to teach. And Be Safe is a starting point, And the materials in the curriculum are are also other tools. But everyone's going to have to figure out how to teach. And, in fact... I have 30 goals already written for safety in the curriculum because I love writing wow. goals. 
<laughs> and so they're they're there to incorporate into our plans with our personal plan with IEPs for the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to be explicitly working on this, or else our our young people aren't safe, and that's too risky. You know, people are neglecting this area, and we're seeing what the outcomes are. So, yeah. to you know, it's not acceptable, but. People are leaving safety to chance, and I think that's very dangerous. You know, I'm thinking of other people who I know in, in other communities, you know, not here in California. Um, a couple people who I know in Louisiana come to mind right away who would love this type of material, love this content, and, and would really just get behind every single thing you just said and, and been saying. Um, so I think about the access to this. And so when we think about the teaching curriculum and, and how mm-hmm. this is used, I mean, is this designed in the way that a parent can kind of walk through this with their their child, um, yes. or is this more self-led? Well, it's it's for an adult to lead somebody through. Uh, okay. So the way I recommend, first of all, the materials are all available at BeSafeTheMovie.com. So you can get okay. the movie or you can get the movie plus the curriculum. And I also did the whole thing in Spanish, by the way, because, you know, I'm bilingual, and I wanted to make sure that everybody has access. Awesome. So I did the curriculum in Spanish, and the movie has subtitles in English and Spanish. Okay. So basically what I recommend is show an episode from the movie and then pick out the, the appropriate materials from the lesson mm-hmm. that go along with it. So every uh, episode of the movie has a lesson, and the lesson's filled with stuff that you can pick from and say, oh, he'll love this game, oh, he would hate that activity. So you just Mm -hmm. pick the right stuff. And it is differentiated for people of different verbal and cognitive abilities. Um, And then I do something called a Be Safe Certificate course where I'm traveling all over the country uh, doing a a full-day workshop on this to build capacity for local teachers, schools, school resource officers to learn how to use these materials with individuals or groups. And I'm traveling all over the country doing it, which I just love this work, and the response has been tremendous. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, that that seems to be the key here is how to get this type of content to people in the pockets that really need it the most, you know, and there's so many places that I think really need it that are probably have a lot more resources. You know, LA, clearly, I think this is pretty critical. I think of my sister in New York and I feel like this is pretty critical, but there's also a lot of smaller towns where there probably isn't as much awareness and how to get everything to them. So I, I that's why I love the, the idea of this curriculum and movie that somewhat apparent could theoretically sit down with their teenage child or their young adult child and really get going on this and really yep. build some, some skills. And so can the ABA therapist and so can mm-hmm. the social skills group and so can anybody. Um, that's what the beauty of it is, is it can be used so many different ways. I love training school resource officers to do to understand the curriculum so they can use it with whole classes of students mm-hmm. or do school assemblies with it because you know this benefits everybody. You don't have to have a disability to benefit right. from this teaching. And, you know, sure. I remember when, when Ferguson, Missouri happened and a dad went on the TV and said, how do I teach my boy? He's 12. How do I teach him to interact safely with the police? And I was, wished I could jump through the TV and tell him. I didn't know who he was. and never found out. But I, I would have loved to have given my materials because it will help everybody. And they're extremely affordable. I mean, I made it ridiculously affordable. $75 for the curriculum and the movie together. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's, the, the that's affordable. Cur- that's good. Yeah. 
it is crazy. I wanted people to have access, like you say, yeah. and the curriculum is on CD-ROM, so you can print as much as of you need of the material as you want. So it's very flexible. You mentioned, you know, it, um, you mentioned the the dad in Missouri, and he's talking about his twelve year old boy, and and, and that kind of got me thinking a little bit about, you know, we, we tend to think teens and adults, and I know I've I've said that a few times. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, from your experience, um, either with Be Safe, with the with the LAPD, or even just, you know, in terms of conversations with other parents, um, is there an age, you know, that right age? Are we looking at 12, 13? Have you seen this been used with any kids a little bit younger to raise their awareness? Um, we I just actually want to have. You, yeah. Mm-hmm. We do community events called Be Safe Interactive Movie Screenings where we okay. bring together the community and uh, the police to watch the movie together it's, mm-hmm. and then do activities together, which is just fantastic. You can see lots of examples of it on the Be Safe the Movie website. But a lot of times we have younger siblings in the crowd. They mm. totally get it. They totally get follow the law to be safe. S- stay calm when you meet the police. The police are here to help you. So the first three episodes of the movie are for any age, but then we get into something that I do believe is more appropriate for teens age 12 and up, um, the right to remain silent, how to, proceed, how to participate in an arrest procedure, whether or not you did something wrong, mm-hmm. uh, self-disclosure of your disability to the police. That's a more sophisticated subject. And we also show how to call 911 and what happens when the ambulance arrives. So I do believe, like you do, that it's smart to start teaching a lot of these things early, and you can use the materials for that. Uh, We have a lot of cartoons and comics in the curriculum that could be used with younger kids. But really, we're trying to be sure that we're reaching our teens and adults. Yeah, because that's where I go to, is I'm thinking to, interestingly, it's the younger teens I've worked with who have had more frequent interactions with the police than the older teens. Mm -hmm. The the 13-year-olds I've worked with are more likely to see the police than the 18-year-old. And so it's that age distinction has always been interesting to me of of how this gets broken down. Because sometimes if we waited, the kid who I meet at 18 um, who had those behaviors probably doesn't get to me because unfortunately those behaviors have escalated and already moved them into a different direction versus maybe even a 10-year-old who I can get to earlier and use this in conjunction with some other things. I absolutely agree. And, you know, like I said, the fact that it's differentiated means that some of the material will be definitely appropriate for younger children, whether or not the scene from the movie is. I mean, do you want a kid to see the police draw a gun on a guy who's just sitting waiting for the bus? might be too scary if you're seven, but if you're 12, it could happen to you. Right. So, yeah. you know, you can judge what to use and when, but it's all there. Yeah. It's all there. Right. Right. You know, you, I I want to I want to touch upon self-disclosure uh in a bit, mm-hmm. but you know, we, we thinking about guns and thinking about safety, I'm curious is there anything in there about just guns and awareness of guns because you know, just dealing with this uh population, I know um you know, that that becomes a huge factor, especially given some some recent events. I'm sure there's a lot of police out there who have maybe the wrong perception of individuals with autism due to you know events from from previous years. Sure. Well, basically, 
you know, we I, I just covered the things that are going to keep somebody alive. Yeah. Okay. I can't cover every possible topic, sure. but the movie can be used as a as a starting point for that. But what we teach teach in the movie is never reach for an officer's weapon or any mm-hmm. part of his uniform, um, because we know that reaching causes the police to think their lives are in danger and they have to respond to that. So reaching, I cover. I also cover never reaching into your pocket or waistband Mm -hmm. um, because they think you're drawing a weapon. So basically the movie was based on what I learned from the police about their perspective. Mm. That helps me know what to teach and also what's happened in the news. What do we, what tragedy can we prevent? What skills do we need to teach to prevent those tragedies? Got it. That's where it all came from. Got it, got it. Um, well, yeah, so let's move to self-disclosure, because I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's an interesting piece about this. Um, so, so talk to us a little bit about that. You know, what okay. can Be Safe talk about from that perspective? Well, the thing about autism being an invisible disability, the police often don't know someone has autism. And a, an officer I started working with years ago, a decade ago, told me, Emily, the more information I have, the better I can do my job. So that's when I realized, well, if, if the cops don't know by looking that somebody has autism, how can we communicate that so they can kind of take that into account into what they're going to do next? So that's where we came up with the idea of self-disclosure. And in Chapter 5 of the movie, or Episode 5, we have a young girl driving, and the police pull her over, and they think she's on drugs. And this is based on a real case of a friend of mine here in Los Angeles who was pulled over, and the police thought he was on drugs because of the way he talks, because of his autism. And this young man never told the police he had autism. And they said, are you on drugs? And he said, yes because he had taken vitamins and he buys vitamins at a drugstore, so he said, yes, he was on drugs. So they had him get out of the car and walk the line, and he couldn't do it because he has brain lesions and doesn't have any balance. Oh. So they, they said, you, you admitted you're on drugs and you failed the field sobriety. We're taking you to jail. So they took him to jail. But he never said, I have autism. And there is a time when you're taken to jail when the... Um, they ask you if you're sick or ill or have a condition or are taking meds, and he didn't say, I have autism. He could have, but he didn't know that he could or should. So he sat in jail, and uh, it was too late. Uh, they had to wait for his blood uh, test to come back. So he sat in that jail cell overnight, and his mom went was surprised he wasn't home by 9 o'clock and thought, oh, he must be at a party later than I thought. And she went to bed, and the next day she woke up, and he wasn't there. And all of this was because he didn't know he could self-advocate that he could, you know, what he should say to the police, uh, what he shouldn't say to the police. He said nothing. And he just sat there, and she woke up, called all the hospitals, called all the police stations. We have so many in L.A., and she finally found him and went down there and explained what was going on. That he hadn't, And the blood test was back by then, and they knew he mm-hmm. hadn't been drinking. But this is a guy who spent the night chained to a wooden bench, Mm. waiting for someone to figure out who he was and what was going on with him. And um, so that's, that's the scene. We show the scene of, the, of the, the what you should do instead. We show the girl getting pulled over. The police say, are you on drugs? She says, I took some vitamins. And then she says, I have autism. Do you want to see my card? And she hands him a card with her license. It's, 
explains her autism. And then the officer uses the information to slow down, to give one instruction at a time, and, and give these accommodations. And uh, I actually ended up making those cards, which are available at BeSafeTheMovie.com. I made the, the card from the film, and I, I sell them so that people can carry them, and we teach people to produce those that identification safely. Nice. I also made them for Down syndrome um, because police need to know. They And the cards that I use, they can check off the accommodations they need on the inside of the card, and the outside has their contact information. So if, if my friend who was driving had had that and handed that over with his license, it might have prevented all sorts of things. He could have said, you know, on his card, if he couldn't say it himself, that he has problems communicating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we, we, it's important for people to understand their own disability so they can tell the police about it, and I think that's an area we're neglecting mm-hmm. to teach. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I, I think about this card, and I, I actually have had personal experiences where where I and either the individual or the individual and their parents have used similar cards mm-hmm. to help us in less severe situations um, you know, in a bookstore, in a restaurant where we've had, you know, some things have happened and it, it maybe would raise a concern of someone. And we've utilized these types of tools, cards like that to assist us. And, right. Like an awareness uh, you know, card. Yeah. Right. And, and, and particularly in, in one case in particular, I'm thinking of these were basically, I, I, bet that someone would have called the police if not for the awareness cards, um, right. given that they something looked very different from what was really happening because, you know, this child was just in a state of crisis at that point in time. Um, and so that kind of gets me wondering. I know there's been people who, who object to that. Um, so have you gotten feedback on the self-disclosure piece? Because I know this is a, it's a pretty controversial topic within the autism uh, community right now. Well, our our self-disclosure card is a safety tool because if you're interacting with the police, you're already at a different level than just, oh, people are staring or I don't want people to call the cops on us. That's that's important. And Mm -hmm. our family has maybe a more liberal view of self-disclosure. For example, in, I think, 2001, there was an article about Tom on the front page of the L.A. Times called Learning to Read a Smile, and it was about what autism and Asperger's is and using his life to illustrate it to the public. So we're not shy, we're not ashamed, we're not keeping autism a secret, and we we want people to understand it. Um, And I had to teach him about his own autism so that he wouldn't feel afraid or ashamed and that he could use the information when he needed to. Yeah. You know, just kind of going with with that some more. I mean, because I I think the people I talk to, as particularly older individuals with autism, and and some of the parents. I mean, this is this is just a topic we talk about a lot, and mm-hmm. it's it's becoming more and more frequent over the years where people um, want to talk about this, ask my advice. They some parents have very firm opinions. Um, you know, I'm just curious, you know, you said you guys are open, you know, what, what sparked this? Why, why do you feel it's been so important to be open, um, about autism and whether it be for Tom, your family, or just in general? Mm -hmm. Because there's enough misconception around it already. And people were labeling 
Tom in particular, you know, mm-hmm. with their own labels that were all inaccurate, when autism actually explained his differences more appropriately. <laughs> so I'd rather have him have someone know that he has autism spectrum disorder than think he's a rude dork, you know, mm-hmm. which was, yeah. you know, because the public will judge what they don't know and don't understand. And, and I, I don't think it helps the public to just hear, oh, he has autism, like that they're supposed to know what to do with that. It's more important right. to say he has trouble communicating, he needs help to make friends, and explain what it is. So when I talk about being open about autism, I don't mean explaining the diagnostic criteria. I mean explaining how this person is affected and mm-hmm. what kind of help they might need and how you could be helpful to them. Because I think when people realize there's a reason for the difference, that kind of anger or judgment is reduced. Even siblings need to know. I remember my daughter Lisa saying, oh, he's so annoying. I say, hey, he has autism. You just have to deal with it. And later she told me, she was only 11, she says, mom, that's just so unfair. Plus, I don't understand what that even means. I'm just a kid. That's what she said to me. I'm just a kid. I don't even know what that means. She said, tell me how, what his autism is. And I said, well, you know how when he rewinds the video, that's autism. That's because of his autism. You know why? how when he rocks when he's upset, that's his autism. And so that made sense to her, and she changed her attitude and her behavior because she had more information. And when she saw him rock, she would say, Tom, is there anything I can do for you right now? So it completely changed by sharing this information. There's information gaps within families of one person knows more than somebody else, and there's confusion. Sure. Um, I, I, I was at a conference once, and I heard a young man type. <laughs> he typed, I could not accept my autism until I knew that my parents had, which I found profound. And he, nobody was talking about it in his family because they hadn't uh, accepted it. So the denial mm. or wanting to hide it or thinking that it their child would think less of themselves if they knew they had a disability. And keeping that secret, that child just worried the whole time, thinking, oh, my God, my parents think there's something wrong with me, <laughs> rather than, oh, my parents know yeah. I have autism and they're trying to help me. <laughs> it's, sure. it's way different, way different. And when it comes to the police, uh, we need to self-disclose so they know, to get the protections of the Americans with Disabilities Act, <laughs> for one thing. Mm. you know, Right. You have more rights to accommodations if you self-disclose, and if the police have no way of knowing, then you have less rights. So, I think I think it all comes together, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, you know, as I'm listening to, you, I kind of think about the. I, I feel like one of the big therapy things that we we've talked about. I remember learning early on is, you know, one of those big don'ts is okay. You've got this individual in the room. Um, and, and when you're working with our with our clients or our our, our students, um, you know I don't want to sit and talk to the parent about this child and and talk about them. You know it's it's just we wouldn't do that to someone else. And I and I think to a friend of mine whose um, whose child has some some different learning disabilities, and they've been very open about it. You know they talk about it. How do we accommodate this? What can we do together? Because she doesn't want her child to you know, have this feeling of people are always talking about her and have the wrong idea, you know, almost. I totally uh, get that. I totally get that. And I agree with it. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, but here's the way I look at it. We shouldn't be, first of all, I would never talk about any worries I have about any of my kids in front of them. That's a private adult conversation. Right. But if I could come back later and say, you know what, Tom, we're going to send you to social skills class so that you could have an easier time making friends. Right. That's what he needs to know about himself. He doesn't have to know the discussion that led up to that decision. <laughs> you yeah. know, he doesn't need to know the details, but he does need to know that we acknowledge and understand and accept his need for help and that he should not be ashamed of that. You know, that's, yeah. I, f- I find the secret is a, is a kind of perpetuates the shame and stigma. But no, I don't think it's nice to talk about people in front of them either, but there still has to be that other language of understanding and acceptance. Yeah, Tom said to and, me once, Mom, why does the phone never ring for me and everyone always calls Danny and Lisa? Mm-hmm. He wanted to understand himself. He knew he was different. And I had to come up with an answer that helped him understand himself. And I said, you know what, uh, you're still working on making friends, and I'm sure the phone's going to ring for you soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to have a good answer for them so they yeah. do accept themselves. Yeah, that's that's kind of, to me, there's something about the two sides of this that just really connect for me in a bit. It's that, you know, it's that the same way we want to explain these things to our kids in a way that they can feel included, it it feel it ties back to that acceptance, you know, and and I've, you know, obviously my opinion has changed a lot over the years as I've become a bigger and bigger part of the community by meeting more people, not just here in LA, but in, in other cities and other states. And it just feels like by including this, by treating that, having that right balance of respect within the conversation, it, it helps us almost get past the label. And the label is just, it's just that it's a word and it doesn't have the stigma anymore um, because I'm, I'm constantly amazed by how many people where it's just like I meet and it's like autism is no different than like dyslexia. It's just, this is something I kind of cope with and I work with and it, it's something about me, but it doesn't define me in that way. But you need to know this about me in certain situations uh, because it, it will make a big difference in interacting with me. That's exactly what we say. First of all, we say those exact words in the movie. Oh, really? <laughs> exact words, <laughs> yes. And we actually help people explore their need to self-disclose, what, why it's helpful to people, yeah. how it helps them get a better outcome. But, you know, of course, socially, it never helps to try to use a label that creates distance, but instead of using a label to create distance, I, I believe in turning it around and explaining the features that people can actually see yeah. and just make sense of it. And, you know, I always say, would, would you be ashamed to tell someone that your kid has diabetes? Diabetes? Right. No, of course. If they're going to go to a birthday party, you're going to tell them that, you know, this child takes insulin and they can't have any cake and whatever. You brought your own. and. Yeah. Because that's that helps people include and understand your child. Well, how is autism different from that? Yeah. Keeping the secret means you're ashamed of, of it or you think the person will react wrong or, you know, we are, people have reacted wrong to us in our families and so we could be a little defensive, but it certainly doesn't help change that by keeping it a secret. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree with you in it. You know, I, I hear you talk about, you know, that, that word secret, again, just resonates with me because um, 
you know, I just think about so many different aspects of our life. You know, we we talk now in in, in society about you know someone's sexuality, about people's religions, about you know other things that go unsaid. And we're talking about tolerance and acceptance and sharing and and people being open with all of those things. Uh, why not autism? Absolutely. Um, no, I, it's it makes sense. Um, well, we we've kind of cruised through just kind of kind of like I thought we would. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're coming to the end of the show. I um, you've mentioned it a few different times. I want people to to just have the information again. Um, in terms of uh, Be Safe, uh, where can they go find uh, this information and get access to the curriculum in the movie? BeSafeTheMovie.com. And the best way to reach me is Emily at BeSafeTheMovie.com. <laughs> it's easy. Awesome. And then I know you've got a, a couple of other websites out there, and I think you mentioned one for the um, the police force training, but love to have you give that again as well. Sure. That one's called experienceautism.net, and it's a beautiful site with lots of pictures, and both of them have great pictures, and get you, you can see what all the different trainings are all about that are based around mm-hmm. Be Safe or Experience Autism. Nice. Yeah, it, just talking to you today, it just feels like you know, my mind is at that point of don't talk about one without the other. Like, if I'm going out there, it's, you know, we'll, we'll train the police, but we've got to train the kids, so want to make sure everyone gets both of those websites because they, they seem like they're equally important in this like grand scheme that we're, that we're talking about here about safety for all of our kids. I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, I, I've been training the police for so long, I kind of figured out maybe a little bit ahead of the curve that we're neglecting to teach our young people. And that's why I had to create the tools because I couldn't find a thing to use for our young people. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> necessity is the mother of invention. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I I don't know if I've ever taught this. I don't I'm I'm trying to really think back and you know, and I've had I've had clients who have had the police called on them and I've had clients who have been in handcuffs. Mm-hmm. And um and I feel like we just scratched the surface. Like I know there was aspects like you said about staying calm and um, they themselves almost slowing down, but it was more from a self-regulatory point of view of recognize what you just stepped into and how you need to regulate yourself a bit. But this, these level of details, specifically concrete specifics that I think can really be taught even easier, um, just seems so valuable. Well, you know, and, and we know it works here. I'll tell you a quick story before yeah, we hang up. Uh, there's a guy named Kevin who has kind of severe autism, and uh-huh. I wanted to be sure my movie was going to work and be good, and so I asked him to review it with his mother before I published it. So I, they wrote back and said that Kevin learned to stay where he is when he meets the police, to stay calm, to follow instructions. You know, all the things we're teaching, he learned them all. And he said, and I also learned what a badge is. And I'm like, this is interesting. There's a little gap there. Here he's 18 years old, and he's just learning what a badge is. Well, here's the most interesting thing about Kevin. He had been arrested four times in the past. He had run from the police each time. But he learned from be safe not to run from the police. Uh, What he didn't learn in real life, he was able to learn from the movie. 
Wow. And that's that was very encouraging to me. Uh, a little scary that, you know, people think he, someone has a problem, we explain what they should do instead. But we have yeah. to know that those explanations are not necessarily getting through. Yeah. And that video modeling is so powerful that he learned all seven of the safety lessons from the movie that he didn't learn from real life. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That is awesome. It well, makes it worthwhile. <laughs> seriously. Well, I think this is great. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, and talking to us about this because, um, as I said, I just see this as a resource to – there's a number of different groups out there that come to mind right away who, who would really be interested in this, who I know haven't heard of it. So um, I know there's going to be a lot of others. So this is great. Well, I, I, I appreciate you helping get the word out there because that really is important. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you. Thanks again. And uh, it was great talking to you. Great talking to you, Rob. Well, thanks everybody for joining us today. Um, really excited about just the theme of what we talked about. It's, you know, like I said at the top of the show, the, this, the concept of the future, I, I you know, we, it, it's so hard to figure out and learn from all the different things out there. You know, the, the steps, the strategies, what what our kids really need to truly enter adulthood is, I think, getting, you know, with more understanding, actually getting harder um, because it, it gets you thinking about so many different things. Um, you know, today's topic definitely gets me thinking about, man, all of the things we need to consider that, that I know I, as I said, have taken for granted sometimes, the skills that you know, I don't even think about really needing to prepare my clients for um, so it you know on the one hand it's it's good we have this information but I know there's there's times where it can feel feel a bit overwhelming of all the different things we need to prepare for um, and I think that's why it's, it's so important for us to start these conversations now when our kids are younger you know not necessarily waiting for 15 16 17 to start thinking about transition in adulthood but start thinking about those prerequisite skills those critical things that our, our child may need to be able to have the core to now work on these, these more detailed and, and at times more difficult skills. Um, so it's a lot to do, but you know, now's the right time to start having these conversations. Uh, we will be back uh, soon. I know uh, I'm kind of in my countdown mode, as I, as I shared with you guys a few months ago. I'm actually having a baby really soon. My wife is due in a few weeks. So we'll have a couple more shows uh, before the baby. So I'll, I'll pass along a, a couple of updates as we go. Uh, so hope all of you guys are having a really good fall, um, enjoying you know the, the change of the seasons, uh, getting yourselves ready, and, and having a smooth transition back to school. Um, and... We will talk to you next time. Take care. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of All Autism Talk. For additional information and resources about autism, visit www.learnitsystems.org backslash family. Know an inspiring group or individual we should talk to? We would love to hear more from you at more info at autismtherapies.com. Want to hear more? Listen to previous episodes at www.allautismtalk.com. All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time.